Hello and welcome to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, where I inspire your faith and your pioneer roots. And today's episode number 86, we are going to be talking about, sometimes it can be a touchy subject or one that's not always talked about, but we're going to be talking about money, specifically how to reset your budget and how resetting your budget really resets so many other factors in your life. So today's episode is nine money mistakes even frugal people make. I don't know about you, but I tend to think of myself as a fairly frugal person. I do a lot of shopping for clothes, especially my kids' clothes because they outgrow them so fast at thrift stores and garage sales, consignment shops. I try to find things used if I can first. We do a lot of growing our own food. We raise all of our own beef. I can. I cook a lot from scratch. We pack our own lunches. I mean, I feel like we're fairly frugal and a budget might kind of seem maybe not as on topic as some of our past episodes have been, like we're not talking about having to dry and cure meat to preserve it, that kind of a thing, which was our previous episode number 85. But in truth, for any of us to live this modern homesteading lifestyle, Almost anything that we undertake in modern homesteading is going to require some kind of funds one way or another. I mean, let's face it, it's very hard to live for free these days. I mean, truly free if you, that you don't, you know, we don't really live in a full on barter system here in the United States. So to do anything, you're going to need to have some kind of money um, in one way, shape, form or another. So, for example, with the modern homesteading, when you're raising your own livestock for meat, which is great because you're not having to go to the store to purchase the meat. And most times you can raise your own food at home cheaper than you can buy it in the grocery store. You're also getting much higher quality and you know what's going into your meat and then what you're actually feeding your family because you're the one that's actually caring for and feeding the animal. However, you have to have feed for the animals. Now, luckily, with our beef cattle, because that is our main meat source, we also raise our own pork and our own chickens, but the cattle are the largest, so they're going to consume the most feed, so therefore they could be the most expensive. But because we have almost 15 acres, and with the growing season, they can be on pasture, and we don't have to start feeding hay until usually about October, and then depending upon the year, we've had a really mild winters here the past couple of years, then we typically don't have to start they're typically on pasture then again in April. So I'm not having to purchase and feed them with store-bought food all year long, which is great. But then there's fencing. You know, there's always expenses that come in with anything. And, you know, with modern, to being able to purchase better ingredients on the things that we don't grow ourselves, of course, that's going to take money to purchase organic and non-GMO certified, those things. And even investing in equipment that you're going to need to do some of this stuff. For instance, preserving your food at home. We need money to purchase these things. So you might think that this money post on a home sitting podcast and blog is kind of weird. But truthfully, a very old-fashioned skill that I think a lot of us in Maine society have lost is knowing how to manage what you have. It wasn't until fairly recently, and I say recently as we're spanning back across history, but, you know, that we have credit cards. And there's so many things that are bought on a loan these days instead of paying for them up front. So then you not only have the cost of the item, but that you're tacking on the interest as well. And so if you think about the major purchases and a lot of what we have going out, and I say we as a collective society, is payments. 
your monthly income and the money that you're paying out, a lot of that is on payments, which includes interest. So from mortgage to car loans. Do a little bit of backstory here. So my husband and I and my family, my two kids, we recently went on a family vacation that included an airplane. We went to Mexico. We've never flown before for vacation. My kids had never been on an airplane. We've never done big vacations. Usually, truthfully, our vacations consist of camping. So that that's normally what all of our family vacations have been is going on a camping trip. So usually that's what we do in the summertime. But this was a really big vacation, which we were able to pay cash for. And when we were there, it was wonderful. And my husband and I realized that we definitely want to travel more in the near future. But in order to do that, we're going to have to save up more money, obviously, um, in order to pay cash for that. Because we don't believe in putting things on the credit cards that we can't pay them off in full every month because I don't want to be paying interest to a credit card company. So that's kind of how we have been operating as we use the credit cards. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to be getting points and some money back and accruing for things that we'd already be purchasing. And so I use the credit card and then I pay it off every month. However... And we were pretty good at staying to that. I mean, I have always paid the credit card off in full every month. But I decided that we really had some areas that we could cut back on our budget and then put that towards a trip or to getting some things paid off. And so I had never read it before, but I'm sure like many of you had heard about Dave Ramsey and the Total Money Makeover. So I actually borrowed the book from a coworker and read through it. I should say I started it and then I pretty much devoured it. I think within almost 24 hours, I had the entire book read and then I finished it the next day. And it is a really, really good book. I mean, there's a reason that it has been such a bestseller and so many people have went through the principles that he outlines and his programs and all of that. And so I highly recommend if you have not read that book that get you get yourself a copy, be it the library, if you can borrow it from somebody, there's lots of copies, check the like the Goodwill or any of the thrift stores that you're at in the book section, you probably can come up with it. If not, then I will provide a link in the show notes for this episode and you can go through there and grab it. But really, 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 everybody should read the book in my opinion. So speaking of show notes, you can go and anything that I'm talking about and the full show notes, you can grab at mostkinors.com. Just click on the podcast button and this is going to be episode number 86. Like I said, after reading that book, I'm like, okay, we have been doing some things wrong and we've actually been making more mistakes than I thought, even though I thought that we were doing pretty good with our budget. And one of the biggest misconceptions that I had was that because we were paying our credit cards off every month that we were doing really good with that. However, um, in Dave Ramsey's book, and I think I've read some other studies as well, I don't have a link to any specific studies, but that you actually will spend, even though you pay it off every month, that when you are using a credit card, it's not the same psychologically as when you're actually paying with cash and that you will spend, I want to say the statistic is 12% more averagely when you use a credit card than if you are paying with cash. So that was one of our biggest mistakes. But I want to even break it down in a little bit further. And you might be making some of these mistakes. You could be making all of them, maybe just a couple of them, maybe none of them. Maybe you're super awesome. <laughs> and if that's the case, then I hope that you leave your what you know and some of your knowledge to help everybody out in the comment section. So that would be awesome. Number one is not having a true budget. Many of us use the term budget without really knowing what that means. So a lot of times we'll say that we can't afford something or we're not going to go do something because we're on a budget. I've said that many, many times in my life. But being on a budget 
isn't simply something that you say when you're trying to save money or you're purchasing a less expensive item, like you're looking at two items and one is cheaper. So you're like, well, I'm going to go on that one because it fits into the budget or we're on the on a budget plan. Being on a budget means that every dollar that you bring in is accounted for and it's allotted to a bill or a category. If you've ever heard the saying, telling your money where to go, that's what it is. That's what's true. That's what having a budget is. It doesn't mean that you're not spending or that you're saving every penny. But I mean, most people who have a true budget, they are doing that. But it means simply knowing where every dollar that you bring in, where it's going. It's being aware and putting that money towards the things that you have designated it to and that you find valuable. And also, I have to say that one of the mistakes that frugal people make is when you're looking at something is always going with a cheaper option and cheaper is not necessarily always better. There have been many times where I have bought the cheapest item that there was and then because it was so cheap, it was very cheaply made and then I've had to replace it. So in the long run, cheaper is not always better. I think it's better to invest our money in something that's well made even if we have to save up and wait a little bit longer. And also to invest in things in knowledge. So there's been a lot of times where I have tried to do the do-it-myself route and I consider myself a do-it-yourself type of person. I like to make things at home. I know a lot of things I can make at home cheaper. But there are some things and some projects where it is worth the money for me to either purchase a book that really teaches me how to do it or the tools that will break it down so that I have the knowledge so that I'm saving time And then in the long run, I'm also saving money because I'm not messing it up and I'm not wasting a lot of things in order to get it right when I would have saved so much time and money had I just went and gotten the knowledge that I needed in order to do it or the tools, depending on what it is. So that's kind of like a bonus. So now we are actually 10 money mistakes because you just got one and two together. You got a bonus one there. So this is technically number two in the list that I made up and is not having it in black and white. So right your budget and your monthly finances out. It needs to be done on paper. You can use a spreadsheet if you are into computers, but being an old-fashioned girl here, I wrote mine out in pencil just on a piece of notebook paper. So have a column of your monthly expenses and then prorate out those yearly fee things, some things that only come up once once a year, like a Costco membership, Amazon Prime, Holler. I love that. <laughs> Love it. Use it all the time. So a lot of times you're going to need to, if you've been using credit cards like I have um, and your bank statements, go back through your credit card statements and bank statements and look for any automatic payments, any quarterly payments, or like I said, those one-time yearly fees for certain things. And then you can decide to either put them in a monthly budget on the month that they come due, or you can decide to prorate them out. So I just divide our Costco membership out for the year and it's $8.95. So then I just put that in our monthly budget and set that money aside. So it kind of depends on how exactly that you want to do it. But that's the beauty of having a true budget is you know (laughs) all those expenses and then you have calculated out the money that will go to pay for them. The third mistake is not knowing your true and total debt. So there's a difference between debt and monthly bills. So for example, if I don't pay my cable bill, which we don't actually have cable, but I'm just using that for an example. We actually have um, satellite because where I live, we're so rural, we can't get cable. We can only get satellite. But they're just going to turn off your service. So they're just simply going to turn off. You're not going to have your TV through your satellite or your cable bill. 
kind of the same thing with your power. If you don't pay your electricity, then they're just going to turn off the power to the house. But if you miss a car payment or a mortgage payment, and usually you're probably going to have to miss more than one for a complete repossession, but they're going to end up taking it away. And the biggest indicator for that is a monthly a bill, you're not going to be get charged interest on it. So if you're being charged interest on something, then that is a debt. And don't just go by your monthly loan payment. So I, I knew what our, obviously I, I, I'm the one that sets out our bills and stuff. So I knew what our monthly loan payments were on our car and obviously on our house, our mortgage. Knowing what you're paying out every month, when you first sign those loan papers, you know when it's going to be due. So how long the life of the loan is if you don't pay anything extra, how much you're actually paying out in interest and all that. But as the months and the years go by, it can be really easy to forget that. And all you see is just that monthly payment that's coming out. So I highly recommend on anything that you have a loan on that you are paying is that you call in and find out the total payoff amount due on the loan and what the current life of the loan is. So if you've been making extra payments already, then that life of the loan from the original life of the loan is going to be cut short. And then also find out the date when it's going to be paid off if you don't pay anything extra. So if you're just meeting that monthly minimum. But there's something about having that total number of debt of everything. So I'm talking mortgage and car payments, anything that you're paying a loan on that has interest. There's something about when you actually see that total amount instead of just what the monthly payment is going out, it triggers something in your brain. At least it did for me. And I'm like, it gave me that extra motivation to really buckle down and get this budget in place and stop making these mistakes so that we can get that sucker paid off. Number four, not separating out your expenses. So I took, when I was doing our column, as I separated out our monthly bills, and then in another column, I did our actual debt, so the loans and things that we have interest on, into two separate columns. And I actually put in that column, we have some medical bills that we don't have interest on, but I considered them still a debt because they weren't really a monthly bill. They were amount owed to someone. So I put the medical bills in with our actual debts in that separate column than from just the regular monthly bills. And then, of course, after you've got your debt columns, then you're going to need your income column. So after all of our bills and low payments are taken out of our income, then I divided every last penny that was left over after um, bills and loan payments into categories for groceries, entertainment, you know, extra spending, et cetera, which really sounds basic and rudimentary, but I didn't have it written out. I didn't know exactly how much we could spend each week for things to still stay within, within our budget and then how much that I needed to spend. This is actually, I'm saying that backwards, but where I could cut, I needed to cut back each week in order to spend a certain amount so that there was extra money in the income left over that could then be applied to those loans to get them paid down sooner. So now I can see, and the reason that I like to have the actual debts in a separate column is because as I pay them off, then I can just put a line through them and then I can see the progress that we're making. Okay, mistake number five is not knowing how much you're actually bringing in a month on a regular basis. So most of us know when your paycheck comes in, how much it is. But when I was doing the budget, I put down what our average monthly income is. So if we happen to get some months, which this does happen, where you have overtime or you get a bonus, sometimes it's for Christmas or different 
you know, um, meeting sales quotas, depending on the industry that you're in, or extra hours around certain holidays or those kind of things. I didn't include that in what our average income was because it can't be counted on every single month. And then anything extra that comes in above what our average monthly income is, which is what I based our budget off of, then that is going to go towards paying down the debt. So it might be an extra car payment or extra money on that month's car payment, that kind of a thing. So mistake number six is not really allocating how much money you can spend in a week. You need to know how much money you have each week to spend after your set bills are paid. Not how much you think you have, but the real deal. And then only spend that much. And I divided it down by week. And I think weekly is really key because if you go for a whole month, sometimes we don't exactly have that self-will that we think we will. And so when you get that set cash, if it's for a whole month, you might spend more of it in the first couple of weeks than you should. And then you're going to get towards the end of the month and realize, oh, I might not have enough to pay for gas or, you know, that extra groceries, whatever it might be to get you by. So I really like to do it by week instead of by month. Number seven, not using cash. Okay, I made my confession that we were putting things on credit cards and then paying them off every month. But each week I'm going and getting cash now. So every Tuesday (laughs) I go to the bank and then I get our cash for the week. Then my husband and I both have the same amount of cash And when it's gone for the week, it's gone. If we have any extra cash left over at the end of that week, which is the goal, then I'm putting that into an envelope that is dedicated to just putting towards our debt. And then at the end of the month, it can either go to an expense that is coming up that's not really expected or in the budget, or it goes and it becomes an extra payment on one of our debts. So for example, this month, I know that my car tabs came due and I didn't have that part worked into our regular budget, the tabs, which I could choose to do that. Uh, But I just, I didn't actually, so there you go. That was one thing that I didn't even consider when I was doing our monthly budget was considering in car tabs. It's something that we buy every year, but it's not something that I have an automatic payment or that showed up in a statement. So I didn't really even think about it. So thankfully, we had set had extra money from the previous weeks we'd been doing it by the time the car tabs came due. And so that was the money I took out of that envelope to purchase the car tab. So at this point, I could choose to put it in our month, our budget and just allocate that out each month on what it costs for tabs and everything. But um, that it, this worked pretty good. And then I was really glad to see that we had saved some on some previous weeks and then had it to apply to that. So that that extra cash that we have And some of the weeks we didn't have it left over and some of them we did. So like I said, that's what I do at the end of the month. Um, Actually, at the end of each week, if there's any cash left over, it goes into the envelope. And then at the end of the month, we look at the following month. And if there's any extra bills coming up, it's going to go to that. And if not, then it goes to paying down, doing an extra car payment. That's the goal that we're working on right now to pay off um, is my car. And I have to say that going and getting the cash, it does take more time because I physically have to go to the bank and get the cash, but it really is saving us money. I actually checked in with my husband. Um, We've been on this for almost six weeks now doing this, and we both agree that we're much more aware of the money that we're spending when it's cash. So I was, you know, sometimes you see those statistics and you see, you know, experts or that kind of thing. People say it, but until you actually try it for yourself, It's amazing how really true that it can be. So number eight on our mistakes is not paying attention to the little spending. 
What got really interesting is my husband and I both, so this isn't on any (laughs) one person, we make almost everything at home for our meals. So we don't really eat out very often at all. Like truly, we hardly ever eat out. And for my kids' school lunches and for work, we pack our lunches from home. So pretty much we're making at home, even if we're taking it with us to work or to school, our three main meals, which is really great because you do save a lot of money if you make it from scratch. I don't know that I've ever made something at home that actually cost more than the store-bought counterpart. And of course, it's healthier because you don't have all of those preservatives in it. But what I didn't realize was how much money we were spending on snack foods or the little extras. And because it wasn't a whole meal, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we'll just grab this little, little this, little that. But those little things add up to bigger amounts than we think, especially over a whole month. Now I hadn't added it all up. Because like I said, it wasn't necessarily an everyday expense, might just be a few days a week, but all those little things started to add up to be lot larger amounts than we realized. And when it's all set down and taken into account and it's written out in black and white, it makes a huge difference. Number nine, the mistakes that even frugal people make is not calling and checking for cheaper rates on plans that you have on a regular basis. So whenever we first get our car insurance or homeowner's insurance, when we went from renting to purchasing our first home, then I called, you know, you shop around for the very best rate. And that's the very best rate usually that we go with that we find at that time. But I don't know about you, but I don't always think to call and still shop around for the best rates. We kind of figure once we got the best rate that it's always going to stay the best rate, but that's not always so. So for example, I called into our cell phone carrier. We don't have landlines. We just use our cell phones. And I asked them to evaluate how much of our current plan we were using. So for the data and everything. And so after looking at the past three months use of data, we discovered that we actually weren't using all of the data that we were paying for. So we were switched to and get this, you guys. So the data plan, the cell phone plan that we had, the plan was outdated, which we've been customers with the same company. There's actually only one cell phone carrier that comes in where we live because we are so rural up in the mountains. So we only have really one choice. So the plan that we had been on, we'd been on this plan for, um, I think three or four years. So by looking at our data, Because our plan was outdated, but they don't switch it unless you call in, they switched us to a higher data plan, meaning we get more data each month, and it saved us 40 bucks a month just by calling in and asking. So if it's been a year since you have called in and looked at your rates or shopped around, I highly suggest that you call into your cell phone company and I would do the same thing with your car and your homeowner's insurance. So I actually just did some rate checks and we're still the existing plans that we have in company that we are with is still the best. But make sure if it's been a while since you've done that, you do that you do that. And then make sure that you apply any savings that you have. Don't just be like, oh, yay, free extra money, but actually apply it to your current debt. So that $40 a month that we're saving is going directly onto the car payment. And it's been really amazing that just doing this one thing, so just resetting our budget, it can have so many ripple effects into other aspects of your life. Actually been eating even healthier since we done this, did this because I'm making sure that I'm packing snacks 
extra food to take with us so that we aren't tempted to fall in. Because if you're hungry, then it's really easy to just buy that snack food because you're like, I cannot make it till I get back home. and I didn't pack enough food, which was kind of part of what was happening. So you would purchase snack food. So I'm actually having a day, one day a week where I make all of our snack foods for the week. So the easiest place that I found to cut back and make sure that we are meeting our budget every week is with the groceries and in the grocery department. And you can't get much cheaper or more frugal than using Great Depression era recipes. And my homesteading pioneer heart, hence the Pioneering Today podcast, absolutely loves recipes from this era because they usually come with a family story and they are from people who really knew how to stretch a dollar and to cook from scratch. So they're normal whole food ingredients which is another thing that I really love. So I have got for you, you knew this was coming, right? Four easy frugal recipes that are actually further back than the Great Depression. These are from the 1920s, you guys. So go to the podcast show notes at melissakenorris.com. This is podcast episode number 86, and you can grab those. And they are four easy frugal recipes from the 1920s that you can work into your menu and help you stay on track to make sure that you are meeting your weekly budget. And now one of my favorite parts of the show is our verse of the week. And this one I have been coming back to and many, many times this past month, it just kind of seems to keep jumping out at me in a lot of different areas. And this isn't just within reference to money, but this can be relationships in your life. It can be many different situations. But a lot of times it can feel like we're never going to get somewhere. It seems like a situation is impossible. It feels like we have tried everything. We have done our best. And we're just not seeing any headway. And sometimes it feels like things is getting worse. And oftentimes, truthfully, when we don't bring God into it or we don't hand it over to him, it is impossible. But when we turn it over to him, it is amazing what he can do. And I say this from a place of experience. There have been so many situations where I have felt there is just no way that this is ever going to change And then when I finally give it over to God and not necessarily knowing that it's going to change in the way that I want it to change, but when I truly just give it to him and say, I cannot deal with this anymore and I give it to him in prayer and truly release it to him and I stop worrying about it and stop trying to control the situation. I may have a a tiny little bit of an issue with that, but he turns the impossible into the possible. So for some of you, you may totally know what the verse of the week is going to be, but it is Matthew 19, chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So I wanted to leave you with that verse of the week and that thought to end it on. And I thought it was also very fitting for when we're talking about money and trying to work within a budget and saving that this verse definitely can be applied to that, but all areas of your life. And if you are listening to this before Tuesday, June 14th, I our affiliate Dayspring, which many of you know is a Christian company, has a coffee mug on sale. It's over 50% off, you guys. 
and it has this verse on it. And when I saw it, when I love, I love the font and I love that it's a, a good size mug. But when I saw this, I'm like, oh my goodness, because I don't think that we can have God's word too many places. In fact, one of my favorite coffee cups has the verse inside. So when I take a drink of the coffee, I'm actually looking at the verse as I'm drinking. And so I like to have Bible verses. I scribble them down. I don't think that we can ever have God's word too much around us um, in order to be reminded of it and to memorize it. So I, and don't, nobody, nobody get mad at me for this, but I don't think it's too early. In fact, as part of our budget, I'm already looking for gifts for people for Christmas um, so that I can slowly purchase small things, but things that have meaning. Um, and so I think this is going to be the perfect one that I'm going to actually start my Christmas shopping now while this is 50% off. So like I said, you can grab, take a look at the mug and grab the link to that is over 50% off at mostknorris.com podcast episode number 86. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I would love to see what your staying on budget tips are and things that you have learned if you were on this journey and share those so that all of us can learn in the comments. So thank you guys so much and I will be back with you next time.